Hello and welcome to the podcast for The Working Girl. If you are a first-time listener, this is where we have leadership conversations that help the working girl make the best of her work life. And we do this through interviews and workplace nuggets. So I'd like to share with you today or respond to a few of the most frequently asked questions. There are five and I will start in no particular order. Question one, can I succeed without my boss liking me? Um, For a long time, I only responded to questions in one way, but this is one way I would respond with a yes and a no. I think yes, depending on how your organization is structured. You may have a structure where um, you have perhaps one principal boss and several. And therefore, you would have, you know, more than one person imputing or appraising you. Um, So that's on one hand. But on on the other hand, if you run a structure where your boss is the principal appraiser, then it's difficult. Um, And I know that it's usually not entirely dependent on you if someone likes you or not, but you'll agree that the likability factor is it's it's important research has shown that when people like you they're more amenable to your thoughts to your views so it'd be great to work on that relationship i often say to people that we do spend a lot of time um at work so it would be great if you invested a lot of time in understanding um, your boss and understanding you know what would make it easier to work with him or her or um, what would make you win with him or her? Um, I know that's not all of the question, but I think that one of it is understanding how they assimilate things, understanding how they like things done. Um, when you get a new boss or you start working with someone, that is a great first step, you know, to, to start with. Um, look, you know, people talk about, you know, brown nosing and all, but I think is is work to have a cordial relationship, you know, work to have um, a peaceful relationship. If you do get friendship and closeness out of it, that is always a bonus, I say. Um, but I think that likability factor is so important. I found a research I read once to say that even though um, Hillary Clinton was heads and shoulders qualified, apart from the voting system um, in America, part of the challenge she had was the likability factor. And I mean, I made the comment to say that I know sometimes you can do everything but the books and people would not like you. I think at that point, then, you know, kind of becomes a person's problem, not yours. But um, the yes you know, response to that, I have just explained. Um, the no is make every effort, you know, to make the relationship with your boss work. So that was question one. And, you know, the second is, I, I think was a comment and a question. He says, my colleagues are awful and I'm going to leave my job because of them. Um, sometimes I find this, because this is a statement, I find this in the question of, I find my colleagues really awful, I'd like to leave my job, what do you think? Look, I think there are, you know, many factors around this. Um, I think, first of all, I'm sorry to hear because we do spend um, the most of our waking hours at work. It's unfortunate to hear that, you know, your colleagues are awful. Um, and I think if it's, you know, depending on how how much emotional resilience you have and how much you can deal with, 
I think the first basic um, response is understand what is making them awful. Is it you? Is it a trigger? Or is this just the way they are? Um, I've also worked in an environment where you find people are quite clannish and they kind of shut you out and but that's different from being awful so awful is quite a wide adjective are they being vindictive are are people you know planning to have you tripped up how awful is it um look i think one of the things i would like to say is understand what the job currently you know means for you and if you really are feeling, you know, if you feel like your mental health has been compromised, then start making a plan. If you think you cannot deal with it at all and have no outer emotional resilience to deal with it, then you may make, you know, an exit, you know, immediately, depending on how much it is. But I think one of the other questions to ask yourself is... Um, what if you keep finding, you know, awful people in the next job and the next job? Are you going to keep leaving? I think this is something to consider. And when you do that, or after you've done that, please listen to T.D. Jakes' message on working in a toxic environment. I think the only thing, whilst I'm not recommending you sit there is that this circumstance, well, at least I know for myself, is the time that I worked in a tox, in, a, in an environment where my colleagues were awful actually helped me build emotional resilience because then I depended, on, I depended less on them and more on myself. It was so hectic, but what it meant is I knew immediately that I had no backup. I had no friend in court, and so... I had to redo my work, you know, bring it up to the highest possible standards because I knew I was in the midst of of the unfriendly. Obviously, not everyone can deal with that, but you've got to, I think, the summary of my response is you've got to understand your capacity and then make a plan um, to exit. The third question is, I've been hurt so deeply at work. How can I deal with this emotional wound? There is a podcast I did with a career counsellor, um, Jenna Bayer. Um, it's about maybe six editions back. If you can look at it, it responds, you know, fully to this particular question. Um, but just a very high level um, of how to deal with this emotional hurt. I think first to assure you, um, you know, that I have been there and have felt it and... I'm extending, you know, some sympathy um, towards what you're going through. Um, But again, I think that it's not the people who hurt us who would heal us. We have to take responsibility for our healing. And I suppose you are, and that's why you're asking this question. Again, I think that a lot of the work would have to be with you, especially if you don't have the liberty to exit the circumstance. And I say it has to be with you because pretty much you are the one who has to nurse yourself back to healing. And, you know, for me, when I, you know, went through that emotional hurt, I had to unpack it with a friend. And in unpacking it, I took responsibility for what was mine. Um, I apportioned, you know, the responsibility for the wound to what was theirs, but I was conscious that they'll never take responsibility. So I kind of packed it, you know, on the side. 
Um, what that conversation also did for me was, you know, to kind of like let them go and realize that, um, you know, in the workplace, the people who um, would work without values, not care whose ox is God, and if they are those sorts of people, then the onus is on me not to take things too personally. So I kind of unpacked my emotions, took responsibility, you know, thought of the ways I could amend my own ways. And then I pulled out a drawer and put all of these people in there and I just locked up the drawer and I moved on. I think, you know, it depends on how you process, but I think my other um, professional advice is if you can, my friend wasn't a therapist, but is my friend who I talked to about various so 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 perhaps find a therapist if you can afford one um and they'll help you um deal with those emotional wounds i think the only last advice i'll give is i feel like we invest too much of our emotions at work and you know someone will argue and say but you know passion is emotional and that's it but i think um find other avenues to invest your emotion in that is often protective um, anyone who's listening to my sessions or who's been in my sessions, I always say, don't let all of your your life be about work. You know, have things that you do for socials, for personal growth, everything that, you know, gives you or anything that gives you another life except from work. The fourth question is, everyone seems to be telling us how to do the same thing. Grow yourself, be confident, be bold, etc. Well, if I do this and so does the next girl, then how do we rise? I like this question. It's, it's very interesting. Um, I think, first of all, my personal mantra is, um, is that, you know, well, I've never seen two birds have an accident, you know, in the sky. And what that says to me is there's room enough for you and room enough for me. Um, except you mean particularly in your office, on your unit. But even at that, you know, there is still room for everyone. I feel like a scarcity mentality is what, you know, causes us to people or causes people to behave inordinately at work. So, so perhaps the first thing first is to realize that there's room enough, you know, to take all the shining girls, you know, as you've described at the top. Um, but I'll step back and respond in this manner, which is to ask you to build relationship as a currency. Um, repeatedly, I've spoken about um, the currency of performance, and, and I think that's great. But there also is a more powerful relation, more powerful currency, I beg your pardon, which is the relationship currency. So it's build relationship. Um, work on the likability factor, which relates to point one. And there will always be two people who are head to head. And these, in my view, are the two factors, you know, that would make one, you know, get ahead of the other. Now, the last but not the least question is women are awful bosses. I think I've dealt with this on one of my social media pages. They don't support each other. Two weeks ago, I was on a podcast talking about Noah Begipan and a clubhouse session talking about women supporting women. And, you know, there were lots of people who said, oh, women always support women. And, you know, it's more than a hashtag. And that's true, perhaps also true of their reality. 
But the one thing, you know, message that I left with them is only self-aware women will support each other. Only self-aware women will be nicer bosses. And I say so because when you are self-aware, which is understanding, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses, you know, understanding most importantly what your blind spots are, then it makes you a bit more deliberate in supporting other women. And, you know, I kind of feel, as a quick example, so let's say I had, when I had my children, it was tough, I had no one to help, you know, but I still showed up at work at 7 a.m., um, when a young girl, you know, is going through that, another younger girl, imagine a trainee who's just joined work today, then the onus is on me to say, oh my goodness, you know, I fully understand where this girl is. That's where I was. And therefore, I'm cutting her a bit more slack because I know just exactly how tough it is. I think also just knowing that every time that I've been given a task, I'm not just representing myself, I'm representing all of the gender, and also understanding that as, you know, as the entire gender, we're dealing with um, various things, um, pay gap issues, um, you know, limited numbers of us, you know, at management or executive level. And therefore, you know, when you arrive in those places, you know, you're thinking, all oh, right, how can I pull up more seats, you know, so the table is more complete. And that's why I say that, only self, you know, aware and um, self-aware women, you know, are supportive of each other. I think, I think also, you know, I've read all sorts of research. I can't remember. I think something called the princess syndrome. Um, well, there's a syndrome that I read of about how, you know, women have been acculturized in a certain way, especially if they've been working in male-dominated environments. And then when they arrive, they're wanting not to be associated with you know, the female gender, because we have, um, you know, certain adjectives that have been used to describe us, which will, in quote, take from her if she associated with the gender. But the truth is, it's back to my comment about being self-aware. If she was self-aware, you know, then she'll be aware of all of these things. Second point is to say that um, people are at different points of, of their journey, different points in their growth journey. Um, there are people who are, you know, just becoming self-aware, just learning how to manage people. But I think it's also we adjusting our expectations of females. And I say so because being awful is not an adjective that is exclusive to the female gender. There are awful, you know, male bosses. But I think sometimes we also stereotype ourselves, you know, with these sorts of statements. And I'm, and I'm not saying you know, by any chance that that's not your lived experience. I'm just saying, let's all, each one of us be self-aware and, you know, just being a bit more self-aware is what helps us, you know, be an ally, be a partner and, you know, be a, a growth partner for another female. I hope these questions have been useful, um, but I know that I do have tons and tons and tons of material that can help your growth you know, as the working girl. Be generous and be social. Don't listen alone and pass on to another working girl. So we just talked about, can I succeed without my boss liking me? 
My colleagues are awful. I'm going to leave my job because of them. I've been hurt so deeply at work. How can I deal with this emotional wound? Everyone seems to be telling us what to do. The same thing, grow, be confident, be bold. You know, if we're all doing the same thing, how will I rise? Women are awful bosses. They don't support each other. How can we change the narrative? So cheers, ladies, and a few gentlemen who listen to us. I'm going to ask that you have a great week on purpose. Cheers.